running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I, I just we, we can't wait to get to the game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, back with you as we continue on. We got a lot to get to today on Raider Nation Radio. A lot of preparation for Kansas City, but I want to stop the show and talk about last night because I can connect everything to the Raiders. Everything from a team that hasn't won a game to a team that's in first place. You could all tie it in to the silver and black. And last night, that game was wild to me. I mean, wild. I'm on the air at night. I'm watching that game. And I'm saying to myself, there's no way a team can win with a quarterback who's one of two. Because he ended the game two of three. But for the most of the game, it, halfway through the third quarter, he was one of two. And they're winning the game and they're playing with the lead. So it, it blew my mind. The calls I took last night, mostly from Boston and the New England fans, about how this could possibly happen. How could a quarterback who was going for his ninth win, so follow me here. This isn't a preseason game. This isn't week three. They're in first place. They're on the road. They're playing their rival, a team that I predicted would win the Super Bowl in Buffalo, a team that I think that is clearly better than the Patriots personnel-wise, not coaching, and I'll get to that. So the Patriots are playing with this lead. They have one big run on the ground, a 60-plus yard run to take the lead. They take the air out of the ball because they didn't want Mac Jones throwing the ball. And then they find a way to win the game and clamp down on defense against one of the best big-arm quarterbacks in all of football. A great quarterback, I think, or someone who's supposed to be a great quarterback in Josh Allen. So Damian Harris gets a 64-yard touchdown run, and New England goes up 6 nothing. And then I'm watching the rest of this game. And I'm like, how's Buffalo going to get back into the game? They can't run it because New England is just stout. We just played, the Raiders just played the Washington football team. You wonder why the Raiders didn't run it and they didn't crack open big runs because Washington is good at the line of scrimmage and they didn't have Young and Sweat, their two best players. So that's another thing that fascinated me about the Raiders' loss to Washington was that Sweat and Young didn't play if you had those two lunatics attacking Derek Carr on top of their interior pass rush, I mean, would Derek Carr have been able to pick up 100 yards or so? And they were undermanned. The Patriots aren't undermanned. They're close to full strength. And Buffalo really struggled in the passing game, but they couldn't run the ball. So back to Mac Jones. I'm watching the game, and I'm saying to myself, look, he's got to throw at some point. And he didn't have to throw because Buffalo was not going to take the lead. And this is the key point that I wanted to make from that game. And it's going into the Kansas City game. And I'll tie this all into Kansas City coming up. If you don't play with a lead, you can't dictate what you want to do. If you're down 10, if you're down 14, if you're down a touchdown, the defense and Bill Belichick, Belichick is the greatest defensive coach of all time. There is no debate on that. Belichick can take one player out of a game completely. And last night, what they decided to do, Stephon Diggs is a pretty good player, as we all know. But Belichick said, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop the run, and we're going to make Josh Allen throw in the wind. And he can't beat us this way because they got a really good secondary. And the Belichick 
game plan worked out perfectly. They got Josh Allen off the field on third down, and then Belichick got the ball. He told Mac Jones, you're not going to throw it under any circumstance. I mean, seriously, Mac Jones couldn't have thrown it 15 times and been 10 of 15. No, he ended up the game two of three for 19 yards because Belichick, the coach, insisted that they stick to the game plan. Now, the game plan could have changed if they were down 10 points. And they said, Mac, it's windy. You have to throw it. And we'll have some short routes, some intermediate routes. And it would have been good to see that. That's what I wanted to see last night. I wanted to see the Patriots be forced into a situation where Mac Jones had to throw the football. Because this is embarrassing. They're the best team in football at 9-4. and four, Probably better than Arizona because the coaching. But last night, Buffalo in their own building couldn't get Mac Jones in an uncomfortable situation. Shocking to me. And they won one of the most important games of the year. So I got to own this. I thought the Patriots were going to lose four in a row. I tweeted it out. I'm going to get killed on this. And that's fair. You know, I, I don't get paid to be right. I get paid to have an opinion. But I like to get my opinions correct. I did not think New England had a team that would be this good this year. And I thought the Raiders would be a little bit better. I told you when the season started, I had the Raiders with nine wins. I thought nine wins would be fair. I didn't see 10, 11, 12 with the Raiders. But then the Raiders got off to a 3-0 start, and I thought after beating Pittsburgh and the opener against Baltimore, this is a 10-win team. And now they're going backwards as New England with a quarterback who was 2-3 of three for 19 yards has his ninth win of the year, and they're in first place. And as of right now, they have the one seed overall. So how shocking is that for you last night? if you're still coming off the loss to the Washington football team, to see a team rub salt in your Raider wounds by having a quarterback win a game going two of three for 19 yards. And my point is, they did what the game plan dictated. Belichick put in a game plan. It worked. Uh, Once he had the lead and the weather got out of control, he basically said, you are not going to throw the football. We're going to win the game by running the ball. And they were able to run it, and they ran it hard, and they won the game kind of easily at the end because Josh Allen had to make some throws at the end of the game into the wind, and he wasn't able to do it, and the New England Patriots won the game 14-10. to Damian Harris, 10 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. Again, exactly what I've been waiting for Josh Jacobs to do. Let's stop the show. Josh Jacobs, who's in the news today for tweeting, which is fine. I love Josh. I love Josh. I love the draft pick. I love what he can do. He doesn't give us 10 carries for 111 yards. I don't know why. I think it's because he's usually banged up. Now it doesn't matter. Alec Ingold's gone for the year. Kenyon Drake's gone for the year. Josh Jacobs, who's talking about motivation and what the team feels and how he's got to get the guys going. Can Josh give us Damian Harris? Damian Harris, 10 carries, 111 yards, 11.1 yards per carry against Buffalo. Oh, let me remind you, Damian Harris went to Alabama. He went in the third round, pick number 87. Josh Jacobs went to Alabama, was a first-round pick. So for 2021, Damian Harris has 164 carries for 754 yards, nine touchdowns, 4.6 yards a carry. Alabama third-round pick. The Raiders have an Alabama first-round pick going into Kansas City. So would you respect me if I lightly put this out there 
that Josh Jacobs should be able to run like Damian Harris? Is that fair or am I out of bounds? This is what the Raiders need from Josh Jacobs. They need Josh to play like Damian Harris from the same school who's running better than Josh. Now, you could say the Patriots have an offensive line that's better, and you would be correct. You could say that the Patriots are more committed to the run than the Raiders are. You would be correct. But this guy, Damian Harris, is legit. So the Patriots in this game had 230, excuse me, 222 yards rushing. 222 yards rushing in the game. And receiving-wise, this is crazy. Listen to this. Jonu Smith, one reception for 12 yards. Brandon Bolden, one reception for seven yards. Nelson Aguilar, remember him? No receptions, no yards. On the game where New England went to 9-4, and four, they had two receptions for 19 yards and one in Buffalo in adverse conditions against a division rival. So let me tie this up with Kansas City, a division rival. Could be adverse weather. It won't be like Buffalo was. The Raiders are in the same spot New England was. The difference is the Raiders have Derek Carr, who's not going to throw the ball three times for two completions for 19 yards. Derek last year went into Kansas City and they played the game of the year. So as we are trying to preview all week long what it's going to take to win, I gave you Damian Harris as an outstanding example, if I do say so myself. I gave you Bill Belichick's game plan, which he changed. The game plan was to run the ball and not have Mac throw it unless they're losing. They got the lead. They stuck with the game plan. Rich Basaccia is not Bill Belichick. And I like Coach Basaccia. I'll interview him on Thursday. And this is another game where the Raiders are going to have to adjust their game plan coming in if their original game plan doesn't work. So as I said today on Twitter, and people are tweeting at me today, I was quoted to say that I think benching Jonathan Abram would be a good idea. No, that's taken out of context. I said that I would bench Jonathan Abram if the Raiders had more depth and they had more guys back that were healthy. Levitt can play high safety better than Jonathan Abram. Okay, I've talked about this with Raider former legends and other players, that Levitt can play deep safety hash to sideline, not sideline to sideline like Jonathan. He's a better player, Jonathan Abram. But Levin is a better player in regards to playing a conservative style of high safety, conservative, where he's 30 yards back or 20 yards back playing middle of the field to the hash. No one would argue with me on that. They'd look stupid if you argued with me on that. Jonathan Abram gets abused, abused by Patrick Mahomes. It's not, it's not even fun to watch from a Kansas City side. It makes Kansas City blush how they pick on Jonathan Abram. John's playing good this year. I think Jonathan Abram's playing well this year, but he's proven that he can't play in this rivalry. He's a no-show in this rivalry. Corey uh, Littleton is a no-show in this rivalry. So you got to make a decision with what you have personnel-wise because the Raiders on the offensive side do not have Ingold and they don't have Drake. So that's heavy Josh. You want to talk about Barber, whatever you want. I don't really talk about practice squad players much or players coming in who don't do much because I don't do that because I talk about stars and guys who can help beat Kansas City. So as we look at this rivalry and what this game means,
the Raiders beat Dallas. There were two games on the schedule this year that I didn't like. Didn't like. I didn't like at Dallas, and I don't ever like at Kansas City. They beat the Cowboys, and they played with heart. They played with passion. They were on the same page. They were attacking. They did everything they needed to do to win. Then the Washington football team took away everything, every ounce of momentum that the Raiders had. They can get it all back with Kansas City. As I formally told you the other day, that Mahomes, you can't take away the Raider game because Mahomes' Raider game was brilliant. He had five touchdowns in that game, five. And he had a quarterback rating, which I have here at 127.6. In the four other victories he's had in this five-game winning streak, he didn't have a quarterback rating over 74.8%. That's awful. Those were wins against the Giants, Green Bay, Dallas, and Week 13 that just passed against Denver. Mahomes, no touchdowns, one interception, and he had a quarterback rating of 57.3. And remember how poorly Patrick was playing before he came into the Raider game in Vegas and then got Kansas City back on track. That was their third win in the five-game winning streak, and they've been rolling. But Mahomes isn't playing well. So what would you do? For Mahomes, this is really the big topic because I'm talking about misdirection, and you know that. If you know me, I've been talking about misdirection with coaches for a long time. The misdirection plays. Here's what I think we got to get into the rest of the week. Do you play a conservative too high safety, 25 yards off the ball with Levitt or Abram and Trayvon Merrick and just let them sit back there and play center field? Because if that's the case, Mahomes will throw underneath. And Mahomes is very good at underneath. And the Raider linebackers can't cover you. Or let me take that back. The Raider linebackers have proven that they can't cover the pass. They can't. They've proven that in the Kelsey rivalry, that they can't cover Kelsey. So what I think we should be talking about is Physically putting your hands on Kelsey at the line of scrimmage. One guy, whoever you want it to be, has got to line up over Kelsey and put their hands on him. Then they have to bracket Kelsey and find a way to double-team him and have the safeties over the top so Kelsey doesn't get deep. Number two, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, I would not play him physical at the line of scrimmage. I would back off on Tyreek Hill five yards because he can burn you at the line of scrimmage and he's gone. But if you have Kelsey, Casey Hayward is a great player. He's having a Pro Bowl year. Casey Hayward was brought in to guard a guy like Kelsey with his experience. Now, Casey can't stay with Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is too fast for Casey Hayward. But if you have over-the-top Merrig and Levitt or Abram over-the-top, then you'll have that bracket coverage. Then you can't worry about the run. If Kansas City runs the ball and they beat you with the run, you have to live with that. And then you have to blitz because the linebackers can't cover. So why not send a linebacker every play to blitz Mahomes because they can't cover? Have one linebacker physically put his hands on Kelsey. You got me there? I think we all agree on that. And then have another linebacker. Perryman's having a great year as a tackler. He can't cover. He's proven he can't cover, especially Kelsey. So have Perryman blitz more. Or if you want him to be a spy on Mahomes and tackle underneath, remember, we're going to take away the deep ball. We're going to have the safeties play center field like Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts in dead center field. Just play 30 yards deep and keep the ball in front of you. 
Perryman, you need to tackle. And you need to tackle underneath. Or, hey, Littleton, we don't get much out of you, so why don't you just blitz? Why don't you just bleep and blitz half the game? And we'll throw a wrinkle at Kansas City that they haven't seen. So that's what I got. All right? I am optimistic because of the tape of last year. I went back and I looked at the numbers in the game last year in Kansas City. Now, Kansas City is saying that, you know, the Raiders, oh, this is what they say. Kansas City is saying, well, last year we took the Raiders lightly. That's our excuse because they got their ass beat in their home stadium, Arrowhead, by the Raiders. And then they came in and they should have lost. Remember, Jason Witten scored with, what, minute 48 left? That game should have been over. And Mahomes went the length of the field. And who did he bait? Who did he bait? Jonathan Abram. Baited him into a run, threw it over the top. Kelsey was wide open. Did you see the last touchdown by Washington in the back of the end zone when Jonathan Abram was in no man's land? No man's land, had no one to touch, and a a tight end got over the top. So you got to make up your mind. Jonathan Abram's going to play in this game because he's the starting box safety. This isn't a team that runs. This is a team that kicks your ass when they catch the ball short and go deep or they get over the top. So you're the Raider Nation. You got to say, I like Jonathan Abram. Some people on Twitter are going to make me out to be, I don't like Jonathan Abram. That is not accurate. I like Jonathan Abram in the community. I like the way he tackles. I like him as a leader. But Jonathan Abram does not match up well with Kansas City. And the season's on the brink. The only way the season can be saved is a win at Kansas City. So if you want to be proud and keep Jonathan Abram in there and you want to let him run wild all over the place and have a couple of good tackles but get beat two or three times, you can live with that. But if you want to talk to me about a combination of how to get Abram off the field when he is a mismatch and Kansas City, Eric Bieniemy, and Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey are all in the film room as we speak, circling with the red laser, Jonathan Abram, going, watch this guy. He bites on everything we do. Everything we do, he takes the bait. Let's go right at him again. Okay. Then Godspeed to Jonathan Abram to have the game of his life and help save the season. 702-365-9200. I'm optimistic. I think they can win this game because they won the Dallas game and they beat Lamar Jackson at home, who's one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks I've ever seen, and they beat Hall of Famer Ben Roethlisberger, and Mahomes isn't playing well. If Mahomes was playing well, overall, it'd be nerve-wracking. He only seems to play well against one team this year, your Las Vegas Raiders. How do we stop Mahomes? Rest of the call should all be about this game plan. 702-365-9200 as we continue. Brought to you by Doghouse next Monday, this upcoming Monday. I'm there for my final Monday night football of the season. Hey, please do me a favor. Come out to Doghouse Saloon inside Resorts World. The the place is just immaculate. You'll love it. Uh, If you're a local in Vegas, obviously come. They got great deals for locals inside the property. But if you're from out of town, You cannot come into Vegas, land in Vegas, and take off and say you didn't go to Resorts World. People are going to say back home, what are you talking about? Everybody's talking about Resorts World. Did you go? So if you're a Raider Nation and you're flying in from somewhere else, make it a priority to get out to Resorts World. You'll thank me for it. It's that great of a property. As we continue right here, JT on the fabulous flagship of the Las Vegas Raiders.
Yeah, I'd like to think so. You know, he's dealing with two things. He's dealing with the knee and the oblique or the, the rib, whichever one it is. And, and he got continually a little bit better towards the end of the week. That's kind of why we kept him in a day-to-day. And then visiting with Chris today, our, our trainer, same deal. And I just saw Waller a little bit. And, and I think he'll get hopefully going maybe out of the pool here in a few days um, or maybe even tomorrow. But, yeah, I'd like to keep him day-to-day. He's kind of earned the right to be day-to-day and let us know how he feels as we get going through the week. Hopefully we get some news on Darren Waller as we take a look at the injury report. The next couple of days, players off Tuesdays. Eddie Pascal joins us from the Raiders digital team. Great Raider insider. And, Eddie, that was a tough one. That was a brutal loss considering the Raiders only scored 15 points coming off the offense onslaught that we saw in Dallas. Looking back at the tape, what do you think the problem was with the offense and how did they get it going again? Yeah, I mean, good to hear from you, JT. And I think that when you go back and, and you look at, at Sunday, I think for me, and look, we're not in the excuse or in the business of making excuses. You win or you lose. It's as simple as that in the NFL. But you look specific, excuse me, specifically in the offensive side of the football. You're down Darren Waller. You're down Jalen Richard. Kenyon Drake goes out early. You know, you're all of a sudden Deshaun Jackson clearly isn't 100%. You're looking at all these weapons that Derek Carr has at his disposal. And unfortunately, he just wasn't operating with, with his full, uh, full complement there. And look, that's, you know, like I said, it's not an excuse. The Raiders certainly need to play better offensively. They need to generate points in a hurry. They need to be more explosive, dynamic, creative on the offensive side of the football at times. But I don't think – I look at Sunday as more of kind of an aberration, right? You look at what they did on Thanksgiving, and they were so creative. They were so dynamic. Derek was so good with all those weapons. And unfortunately, they had a bad day at the office, and they came at a really inopportune time for the Silver and Black. Eddie, we talked for years about what happens What happens with Kansas City. They run misdirection plays, and they catch the Raiders with an open side of the field because the Raiders bit on the initial bait and went where, where the play started, and then they come back that way. It's happened the entire Andy Reid, Biennemi, Mahomes era. I think the only way to slow it down is with a pass rush or playing deeper. And I think a big topic that we talked about today is do you go with two high safeties you know, 30 yards deep, 25 yards deep, and keep it in front. Let Mahomes keep it in front. But we saw that in Vegas, and he dinked and dunked, and that worked. So what type of game plan on defense do you think works in this matchup? Man, I mean, that's a million-dollar question, right? I think you're onto something, though, with, with the pass rush and getting pressure on Mahomes. And, look, he hasn't looked his usual Patrick Mahomes self for the entirety of the year. Now, certainly when he was in Las Vegas for, uh, for Sunday Night Football there, I mean, he very much looked – like the Patrick Mahomes we've been so accustomed to seeing for the past couple of years. But I think with him, when you look at his kind of body of work through 2021, I mean, the consistency hasn't really been there for him. Uh, you know, he, we've gotten so used to seeing him do all these incredible things, but we've gotten so used to seeing him do this week after week after week. And in 2021, that just hasn't been the case. So if the Raiders can generate pressure with that front four, if they can get Yannick Ngakwe, if they can get Max Crosby to consistently get after Patrick Mahomes, I mean, that's where you have to start, right? Because he's one of those handful of guys in this game where you, even on your best day, if you do everything right, he's one of those incredibly uh, unique individuals where he can still find a way to beat you. But if the Raiders can generate pressure, and if they can do that for a full 60 minutes, not a series or a quarter or a half, if they can do that for a full 60 minutes, I think that's a great place to start in, in trying to throw Patrick Mahomes off his spot a little bit. Eddie Pascal from the Raiders digital team, Raider insider. So, Eddie, putting your hands on Kelsey, players slowing him down. Look, Kelsey, it's just not possible for him to be faster than he was five, six years ago. So you would think he could still get behind a linebacker and make a play. 
but I still think you want to slow him down, wear him down, at least by getting physical with Kelsey in the fourth quarter. He's a strong player, very similar to Gronk. Maybe you slow him down. Maybe they lose half a step on a ball they think they can get and they can't get to it. Perryman, Littleton, what do you see with the Raiders linebackers and what they need to do to slow down Kelsey? Well, I think we could throw the, uh, Divine Diablo in that mix yeah. as well, JT, after what we saw from him on uh, on Sunday. But I, I think you're 100% right. You have to figure out a way to be physical with Travis Hill. You have to figure out a way to throw, very much like Mahomes, to throw him out off, off of his spot, to throw him out of his groove. Because, you know, like I said, similar to Mahomes, too, he is one of those rare guys where he is so good at what he does that you need to figure out a way to get him out of sync. And it's a lot easier said than done. And I think if it was that easy as you and I make it sound like, the NFL would have done it a long time ago. But I, I think that, like you said, the key with him is being physical, and it's being physical consistently. It's not taking a playoff. It's making sure that you are up in his business, get, making him uncomfortable for a full 60 minutes. Uh, and the, the, the issue, though, with the Kansas City offense, and you know, as, you know this as well as I do, is that they are so multiple. There are so many guys on that offense, you can be a pain for a, an opposing defense. So if you could, if you can figure out a way to take Kelsey away or take Kelsey away, I guess, is, as much as is humanly possible, I think you that's a good place to start in a really pivotal matchup coming up this weekend. Yeah, Eddie, it's incredible as I look back to see what Kansas City has done this year. I mean, these games are on a five-game winning streak, and four out of the five games – he has a lower than 75 quarterback rating. That yeah. the the throwout statistic is against the Raiders, where he had a five touchdown game. But I look at what's happened this year. He's played so inconsistent. Mahomes had a game at Tennessee where they lost 27 to three. The Green Bay victory, they only scored 13. They only scored 20 against the Giants and won that game. Against Buffalo, they only scored 20. I mean, we know what Derek's stats are. When he throws for over 300 yards, he's undefeated. What do you think is more important, getting Derek to 300 yards at some point in this game or slowing down Kansas City's offense? I'd want to slow down and play conservative against Kansas City and have Derek come out of the gate quickly and, and make a run at 300 yards again. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's not the cop-out answer, but I think it's kind of a, a nice balance of the two, right, where I think to your point, when Derek comes out fast, when this offense can hit the ground running, they seem like they're one of those offenses, JT, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you see them, and it, it feels like the, what you get from them in that first series, that first two series, that's who they're going to be for the afternoon. When they start fast, when they come out and they're firing, the odds are is they keep up with that intensity. They stay putting up points. But when things start slow for them, when, they, when they're kind of thrown off of their rhythm, especially early in that, in that first quarter, it seems to kind of dictate who they're going to be for the rest of the day. But, I mean, to your point, it's like, look, you know, you are going to eventually at some point going to have to come up with some big stops. This defense is going to have to figure out a way to keep Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City Chiefs offense out of the end zone. They are at some point either going to have to make a big play, have a big stand, force a turnover in a crucial situation. So can you find that balance of, of keep, you know, keeping Mahomes on the sideline, to your point, playing conservatively, controlling the clock, making sure that you're dictating what you want to do to the Kansas City defense, but then also understanding, like, hey, conservative is great. Like, I understand, like, a, a 10 to 7 win would be great. But the reality is, against this Kansas City offense, as disjointed as they have been at times in 2021, they're still the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And you're going to have to figure out a way to score touchdowns, not field goals. Eddie Pascal, Eddie, finally, our teammate here on radio, Vinny Bonsignor from the Review Journal, uh, talked about Jacobs today, the cover story. Jacobs expressed frustration after Sunday's loss to the Washington football team. 
and that the Raiders wait too long to get going every week. Among the criticisms he leveled, Jacob said the Raiders, quote, coast a little too much. I love this quote because it shows me that Josh is aware of what's happening around him, which I know he is. Does this does this comment from Josh lead you to believe and the fans to believe that he understands the gravity of this game and maybe can have one of these bust-out games? If the Raiders can get him going, Eddie, they can do play action. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think that the, one of the beauties, and, and you can, I think it's fair at, at points to criticize this offense and really this team at, at times for the, the things that they have not done well consistently in 2021. But I will say that they have an incredibly intelligent locker room. Josh, Josh is a guy, and, and we don't we don't hear from Josh a lot. So when Josh does have these comments, I think you, it, it gives you reason to, to think and say, okay, like he's coming at this from a place of reason, a rationale. He's doing this for a reason. So I would love to have that classic Josh Jacobs two touchdowns, 115 yards, really control the line of scrimmage game, really let him impart his will on the defense. But I, I think that really starting from Josh and going from Derek, the entirety of that locker room, this group understands how important Sunday is, right? The, the Raiders are 500, and I know they're coming off of a really disappointing loss against the Washington football team. But we still have five football games left, all against AFC teams. And as crazy as it sounds, through all the ups and the downs that 2021 has brought this team, they still, in, in a lot of senses, can dictate who they want to be over this last month and a yeah. half. So it's a, a critical game coming up Sunday at Arrowhead, and I think Josh understands it, and I think the entirety of this team, this organization, understands that as well. Thank you, Eddie. We'll see you out there. Appreciate your time as always. I got you, JT. Anytime. You got it, Eddie Pascal, inside the Raiders, uh, leading their digital team. He does a great job. Let me get a call or two in before Joe Lisi, our college football insider, joins us here in a minute. He's fantastic. You don't want to miss Joe from a gaming perspective. Devin in Jersey, appreciate you being patient. Go ahead. Hey, JT. How you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Great. This is another game, another team that's faster than us. Um, I hope we can have a great play by a defensive line. We do have the talent there. That's the only way we're going to be able to stop uh, Mahomes. And I think in next year's draft, first two rounds, wide receivers, and even a running back. Josh just can't. He's got the talent, but he can never stay healthy. If he's not, he can't be on the field, he's not really helping us. Well, again, Josh gets banged up from time to time. Appreciate the call. Uh, thanks for checking in. If you look at his career, 2019, 1,150 yards. 2020, 1,065 yards. This year, 472 um, Josh, Josh is a good player. If you look, go back to 2020, over a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns. Okay, I, I could live with that. I could live with that. We're not seeing those numbers this year. He's been banged up a bit, but this would be a game. I mean, matter of fact, I, I put a lot of heat on Josh in this game. If I'm the coaches and I'm the organization, this is the game I want to see what he can do. He's got to go in this game. They need him. He, he got Ingold's out, and you got Drake out. He's got to be great. He can't be good. He can't be good. He's got to be great. That's, that's a positive assessment for me. Be great. We know we can. If we didn't think he'd be great, I wouldn't mention it. Joe in Utah. Hello, Joe. Hey, JT. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Hope Thank you're you. having a good day, and I hope the whole crew's having a good day, too. I got Thank a you. quick statement and then a quick question. Uh, statement. One of my favorite uh, Raider sayings is pride and poise. I love mm-hmm. that saying. And I hope our boys come out against the Chiefs, and I hope they play with pride. I hope they play with poise. And I also hope they play with a little sense of urgency. Um, and then question for you. Uh, I'm, I'm half joking but half serious. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Send Abrams on a blitz. 
uh, send Abrams to get Mahomes. Like, just tell Abrams, yeah. hey, your job today, go get Mahomes all day long. Just make his life miserable. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I would be, I'd be okay with that, but you just can't have a safety blitzing all game against a quarterback who can get away from a blitz and just throw the ball with two guys deep and pick apart your other safety. you got to be a little bit more careful there. So if Abrams is going to play and he's going to play, I think he should play less. I said bench him or play him less. Those are the options. If you play Abram the same amount of snaps that he typically plays in this game, then you're asking for it. And if he turns out to have a great game, I'll do a whole show for him on Monday and praise him. I want him to do well. I just I, I covered this team for 23 years. I see mismatches all the time, and I talk about him here on the flagship. Joe Lisi joins us next. Go for the two college football insider. Uh, talk about some of the bowl games that were set up here, some of the coaching changes that have been upon us, and are there any more left? So we'll talk to Joe coming up on the other side, 702-365-9200. And I want to know, what's, are there any more coaches on the move? Mario Cristobal left from Oregon and Uncle Phil and went all the way to Miami where he wanted to be. Sure was cashing big checks at the place he didn't want to be at, which is Oregon. It's amazing, man. You don't get the job done. You don't take your team to the Final Four, and you get rewarded with no money. You know, we run the plays that are called, and we had a game plan, and obviously that changes a little bit with the elements. But at the end of the day, um, I think we had the looks that we were looking for to run the ball, and we just kept doing it. So, like I said, offensive line created the holes, and those guys did some tough running, not even to mention the receivers getting in there to block too. So everyone played a role, and it was just great to watch and see everyone just have that effort. That's the Patriot way, Mac Jones. Two of three for 19 yards, and he's like, we won, I don't care. That's how we do it here. We won. We did great. And let's get out of here. Let's get on the plane and go home. Well, that's how you do it. Mac Jones is the leader of the number one team in the AFC. Bleeping amazing. Shocking to me. Let's get back to college football. Joe Lisi at Go for the Two, the great college football analyst, also with Sports Grid. Joe, how wild has this been for you over the last 10 days? Not from the games, from a gaming perspective. We'll get to that. But the coaching carousel, Mario. Going back to Miami, Lincoln Riley to SC, Venerables to Oklahoma, Brian Kelly to LSU. Let's pick a couple of these coaches. You start and tell me what you thought of these moves. Yeah, well, happy holidays to you and the family, JT. It's kept me up, I tell you, 24-7 since last Sunday. I mean, it's been nonstop with the Brian Kelly news. I can tell you that I believe that Brian Kelly will bring a national championship to LSU in terms of the physicality that's much needed in terms of the offense and defensive line play. I think that's the one thing that when you look at Ed Ogeron, since they won the national championship in 2019, they took a minor step back, couldn't run the football consistently in critical games. And that defensive front, known to be tops with Alabama in the conference, took a minor step back in critical ball games. I think they get back to basics. And I think two, three years down the road, LSU is a contender. So love the hire by Brian Kelly. Love Woodard's uh, decision to take on Notre Dame's coach, uh, you know, entering 2022. The other hire I really like happens to be Brett Venables with Oklahoma. That's another team. I know your son went there and goes there. From a physicality perspective, they need to get back 
to play defense, right? Alex Grinch got them to a specific level, but in critical ball games, couldn't get over the hump. And I think he'll bring a physicality, blue-collar work ethic there. There's a solid foundation. Now, does he continue to get the type of five-star athletes at the quarterback position? We'll see. But he understands how to build the program. Did it with Dabo Sweeney for the last eight years. And the biggest thing is when you look at Clemson's attrition, over the last eight years, they've recorded about 46.8 total sacks per year with that type of talent and that type of loss that they lost Vic Beasley, Kevin Dodd, Shaq Lawson. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and all they do is produce on the defensive side of the ball. So I think he's a great hire for the Sooners in Norman. Joe Lisi's our guest. So, Joe, what I find fascinating is you know Georgia as good as anybody, and this year they were undefeated. They had Alabama right where they wanted to. I mean, come on. They had them in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Dome with all those fans there, and they don't win. So if Georgia can't win their conference, how is LSU? Or how about when Texas and Oklahoma come? For everybody who says Lincoln Riley feared the SEC or Brian Kelly wants better players in the SEC, mm-hmm. it's still a crapshoot with Saban there and how good those teams are. And you know Florida's going to have a good year at some point. Or Auburn's going to bounce back. Right. There's going to be teams that do well there. Don't your percentages go down? Even if Kelly gets better players, he's got to run through a gauntlet just to get to the Final Four where there's going to be three other teams waiting for him. Yeah, and let's not forget Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, right? Jimbo Mm. at Texas A&M, so you're absolutely right. I think that the one thing, though, that you can make the argument in terms of sending players to the NFL, the one one team and program that's been able to go toe-to-toe with Alabama has been LSU. I mean, 14 players left from 2019 in terms of that program with Joe Burrow and all those playmakers, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson now that has moved on. So they've been able to recruit not just the skill players, but the interior lines, the offensive and defensive lines. And I think that's the biggest thing when you look at some of the other programs like Texas A&M, like Ole Miss, a program on the up-and-coming, too, Arkansas. They do it in the interior with Sam Pittman. It won't be easy, but if Brian Kelly could do it at Notre Dame, I think it'll, it'll be a lot easier to do it in Baton Rouge. Joe Lisi is our guest. So, Joe, give us a couple uh, Joe, give us a couple bowl games you like here, other than the big ones in the Final Four. What do you like from a gaming perspective? You're great at this because you know that there are players who are checked out, coaches that have left, and backup coaches are taking over. Give us a couple of games where you see value right out of the gate. Well, JT, I'll only do this for you because a game I love, and I haven't even put it out on my show on Sports Grid, is Louisville over Air Force. Louisville's a team with Scott Satterfield that has a great nucleus heading into 2022, and I know people will back the triple option in terms of Air Force and that ground-and-pound rushing attack that's averaging well over about 250 yards per game. But the athleticism of the quarterback position and the defense, for me, of Louisville, at one point they were only giving up about 102 rushing yards per game going up against that game against Kentucky. That was an SEC offense and defense alliance. They had a terrible output at home, got blown out. Now they have three weeks of preparation for that bowl game of the triple option. Absolutely love the speed of Louisville laying only a point in that ball game. I think they win that ball game by double digits. Another game I put out is uh, Purdue, Tennessee in, in the Music City Bowl. You have mm-hmm. two teams that you know want to play. They, this is very important to both Jeff Brom and 
Josh Heupel in terms of Tennessee. This line opened up at 60. They immediately bet it up to 64.5. But both offenses can throw the football with Hendon Hooker, Aiden O'Connell, David Bell, I think will play in that ballgame. I think it's going to be over 64.5. So those are the two that I'm looking at early on right now. And then I still like LSU from a physicality perspective, even though Ed O isn't there, going up against a Big 12 team in Skylar Thompson in Kansas State and climbing. I know they're a Vegas favorite to bet Kansas State in a bowl game, but I think LSU rolls in the last bowl game of the year, laying a minor two and a half in that matchup. Joe Lisi. Hey, Joe, one more big picture topic I wanted to get your opinion on. At go for the two, Joe Lisi is these kickoff classic games. Vegas got really fortunate. My buddy John Sassenti, who runs the Las Vegas Bowl, and he put together this kickoff classic. They're going to get USC, LSU. That wasn't the plan initially because there was no, obviously, great coach going to USC until they got Lincoln Riley and then the Brian Kelly move. Do you see a changing of the guard? where the kickoff classics are more important than some of the bowl games. If Ohio State is a runner-up and they're not playing in the Final Four where they want to be, and I look at a kickoff classic, two great teams years in advance agree to play early. Fans can get their travel early. They can get better deals on hotels and airfare, and they can plan ahead with their families. What do you sense with the bowl games compared to the kickoff games that you have plans to attend and really could be some big games going forward? Uh, it's a great point, I, and I love it all. So I can't say I dislike the Bulls, the Bulls because I think more football, the better. But that being said, you're absolutely right with these week one games. And go back to history. You know, 1991, you had Penn State, Georgia Tech, even though it was a blowout. You had the co-national championship team uh, there uh, with, uh, I forget now, back in the Bobby Ross back in the day in terms of East Rutherford. I mean, you know, those games really dictate the type of matchups that really can contain and and make a team a top 10 contender. Let's not forget that Alabama was supposed to play USC last year. That game got canceled. LSU back in the day in Arlington played Oregon. Those were the type of games that the SEC never, they never walked away from. And everybody, you know, talked about the SEC playing the FCS opponent prior to the rivalry game. You can make that argument, but the SEC would always start fast week number one with a top 15, top 20 opponent. And that's where some of the teams take off. So I agree with you. These marquee battles in years to come, LSU and USC, will really dictate the conference and national championship picture. And as college football fans, that's what I love about the sport. You lose week one, week two, you're out of the running. And that's why it's full throttle ahead, as opposed to the NFL, where if you lose an early game, you have the opportunity to get back into it. Thank you, Joe. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you before the holidays, uh, Christmas, obviously, and do another bowl hit heading into it from a gaming perspective. Always appreciate you. Anytime, JT. Love the show. There he is, Joe Lisi. Fantastic at go for the two. I don't know of a guy, you know, I don't want to say I discovered because I didn't, but I found some young guys over the years that we put on the radio as much, if not first, who have gone on to great things. Joe Lisi is one of them. Joe Fortenbaugh who is a monster now. I put him on as maybe before anybody, or one of the few guys that put him on nationally first, George Sedano, my buddy. George Sedano, right? Uh, We worked together. When we started, George came on after me. Look at George Sedano now. He's one of the kings in radio and the number two media market and on ESPN every day. We know who to put on the radio 
We know who's good. We know who has the information for you. All right, 702-365-9200 as we get ready to wrap it up here. And, and I think we did a pretty good job today on Kansas City. Um, at the early portion of this week on a Tuesday, I'm looking for a couple of big guests. Uh, Bill Romanowski's confirmed. I'm looking for another Raider alumni and a Raider player. Also, Darren Waller being nominated for NFL Man of the Year is a big deal for this organization and what Darren has done off the field with his sobriety and his foundation, I think makes him a front runner for this award, which I think is very important because the Raiders have had fabulous, great players, fabulous, great players over their run. Bobby, I want to get to one more soundbite if we can play this. Uh, We were talking about uh, what happened yesterday in the game last night. In the game last night, I thought the Patriots ran the ball. And they ran the ball hard. And on that 64-yard touchdown run by Harris, it was incredible how he hit the hole. Let me know when we have that. I want you to hear the explosive call on this. Really, this one run put the Patriots as the number one seed in the AFC. Toss comes to the near side for Harris. He runs to the big hole, and he's gone to the 50. A burst to the 40. Alone to the 20. Damien Harris to the house. Touchdown, Patriots. That was a big run. That's what I'm looking at with Josh. Went to the same school. Harris was a third-round pick. Josh was a first-round pick. That's what we're asking for. Uh, Bill Belichick, after the game last night, talked about the running game plan, which was critical. That was their game plan going in. They were going to run it more than throw it. Did he ever prove? This was a Mount Rushmore game plan. It wasn't a Mount Rushmore game. They They went Super Bowls. That's their Mount Rushmore. But the game plan was brilliant because of the weather in Buffalo, and Belichick nailed it. Bill, at what point did you guys know you're going to have such a run-heavy approach? Was that the plan all week, or is that something that you No, no, no. You know, we didn't know what it was going to be. That's the way it worked out on the Look, Josh did a good job throwing the ball out there today. It's not easy. I thought he did a pretty good job. Not that he, you know, had a career day or anything, but it was, it was tough conditions. But he, he slung it in there pretty good and made some really good throws. Well, listen to that, because Belichick didn't even want to answer an obvious question. The game was over. The game was over. They, the reporter asked him, was, the, was that the game plan? And he said, no. He won't even tell you when he beats your ass. When he beats your ass, Belichick won't even tell you. Like Mike Tomlin would say, yeah, that was our game plan. We stood by it. Our game plan was to run the football, and we did it, and we, we want to salute everybody who did it. Belichick won't even admit it when he, when he ran it. When, when he ran right over you, he won't even admit it. Now, I want you to listen to two of Buffalo's players who had a dual press conference together. You want to know about Buffalo's problems? They're chippy here. Poyer and Hyde asked at the post game. Listen to this back and forth with the reporters. I mean, what kind of Boy, questions? What are we doing, bro? What kind of question is that? I think we I think keep, we keep gave that, up keep, uh, seven points. Yeah, we, 14, uh, four, 14, to, 14. 14 to 10. Is that the final score? We made stops when we had to. They had one big run. I mean, they got good backs. They, yeah, all right. Um, they kept coming back to a couple of runs. I mean, I don't know how you want us to answer that question. That's funny. Well, I'll, we'll remember that. I'll remember that. We'll remember that. Who cares what you remember if you don't make the playoffs? That's a journalist, a reporter that asks you a fair question. How you got beat by a team that threw it three times. Don't go to the podium if you're a football player and you can't answer a tough question other than most of the crap that is asked to players at the podium. 
Captain Obvious questions. They asked you a tough question, and both players got rattled there. Let me tell you one of my theories about this. Because Buffalo was the least vaccinated team. They've had a problem all year. All their coaches were dealing with from day one is the fact that they had the most unvaccinated players, and it never got better. And they're uptight about it. It's an issue. COVID is raging again in that community. They still have unvaccinated players, and that is a true story of one of the distractions that are happening now with the Buffalo Bills. Way to go, Bobby. Another big show today. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Thanks to our partners who are the reason we have a show. Our proud partners, we support, and we hope you do too, and go to their venues and support their products, support their establishments. That's how a radio show grows. Our advertisers and partners want to hear from you because you're listening to the show, and I never lose track of that, and I thank you so much for the support of our partners on the show so we can have this radio show every day. Have a great day, everybody. I'm on Sirius XM 82 every night from 7 to 10, Sunday to Thursday night. Let's go.